0: a new world is emerging it is a new world order there's a
1: lot of discussion about what the the new world order will be
0: we will be looking at what contact tracing looks like in the new world order in the new world order
1: individual carbon footprint tracker
0: the difference of this first uh, Industrial Revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing, it changes you. We need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under the skin. So imagine the applications of that, compliance.
1: To be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. one pandemic has provided an opportunity for a
0: recess. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated.
1: It's almost time for the great culling to begin.
0: Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. This is Connect Those Dots. Well... Hello there, fam, and all of you beautiful little Dot Connectors out there. Welcome to another episode here of this humble little podcast, Connect Those Dots, and I am your humble host, Joe Wakili, and Dot Connectors, I got a real treat here. Um, One of the first guys that ever really put me on, and like, I, I, I'm going to preface it a little bit here, and uh, be a little bit of an ass kisser, because my next guest right now is really one of the people that really spurred me and catalyzed me to start connect those dots and create it into what it has become today and the growth that it's seeing uh now and I really just want to give a warm welcome to Harrison Smith of InfoWars. Yo
1: Harrison. Oh thank you thank you very much uh for having me man. I love hearing that dude. That that really is like the best the best thing to hear. I love hearing when people you know listen to me a lot but if if somebody can come to me and say, you know, I've had anything to do with inspiring them to s- start something like this, or like there are even people that work at InfoWars here that say, you know, I never thought about working at InfoWars until, you know, I heard you say, shoot, do, you know, try something, do something, get involved. So man, that's uh that's the best compliment I can ask for, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: And you really did, man. I remember listening to uh, the American journal. That's your morning show on InfoWars, but now you're hosting the war room in the absence of our friend and friend to connect those dots. Owen Schroyer. we'll get into that in a bit, but cause it's really important. And I really want to pick your brain about that. Um, but you, you really, you said it and it's really a big main idea. It, you've spurred people on to get engaged. And that's really what you did with me. I remember you were talking, just start something, start your own podcast, speaking to a microphone, download DaVinci Resolve. And I, I told you this exact thing when I was a guest on the American Journal, you were gracious enough to put me on InfoWars. You know, ooh, 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 I was uh, <laughs> waving the sweat off of me, but we that was a really great segment and putting me on there. And I, I thank you for that because it's 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 been one of the other things that has been um, building Connect Those Dots and getting it great guests and everything like that. So um, Harrison, I just thank you for like getting me started. Okay. Enough ass kissing. Let's move on you no, no 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 dude let's <laughs> let's double down on that man
1: my, my whole thing is like nobody can stop you they can't stop you they can't stop you from being successful they can't stop you from making a difference like they want to make you think that it's impossible it's really not and you know what even if you try and it doesn't go anywhere at least you tried man and you're never going to look back and go what a waste of time that was you might look back and go you know, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't quite make it work, but you know, at least I did something. You can still feel good about that. So, and everything's free at this point, all the, and you know, the best part about it, my whole thing, like in high school, making movies was like, I love making movies. It's fun. Maybe I'll get to do this for a living and and do creative stuff. But if not, it's a marketable skill, man. And people, you need to just get a marketable skill because you know, once you, again, nobody can stop you and then you can start charging people for editing. I mean, it's uh, it's, the world's at your fingertips, man. So, you know, people just not, people just need to know that nobody's going to give it to you. You got to go out and take it.
0: Yeah, man. And like, it's really been sharpening my editing skills. I was always like, kind of like a decent editor. I learned how to use Premiere Pro in college, but I never really pursued it and like worked it enough. So that muscle was getting like a little bit atrophied. But then when I downloaded DaVinci, I had like the same kind of interface and timeline and it was free and then I start making reels and my my brain starts going and I'm you know getting real creative with it and I'm like okay it's got to be under 80 80 seconds like make sure we can plant it. it has a beginning middle and end and it's got and it's only 80 seconds and it's got it's engaging the entire time so it's really sharpening your skills and making you a better curator as well but For sure. Harrison yeah. Yeah, you had a lot of influence on me and another person that had so much influence on me is Owen Schroyer. and I know Owen Schroyer had a lot of influence on you because when you were coming up through the InfoWars ranks you you were you were a cameraman and uh you worked your way up you you worked harder and harder and uh you inevitably became a host. So, what is it like for you? It must be kind of like a mind fuck for you seeing <laughs> your boy and this guy that you've looked up to and sort of paved the way for you uh go to jail for his speech what what's that like now yeah man well
1: owens owens the real deal man and you know people have asked me recently uh cuz we started doing the reels and we started like putting stuff on tiktok and instagram and uh, one of our editors that was putting stuff up was like man I, you know i knew alex jones was Shadow band and like you can't even say his name or or you get struck. He's like, I didn't realize Owen Schroyer's like that too. You know, you think Alex Jones like he's the he's the big dog. Of course they're gonna have his face and and voice, you know, cataloged and and they'll strike it down. But it's the same with Owen. And he was asking me like, why do you think that is? And I was thinking about it, and it's because Owen took it to real life. Owen's whole thing and and how he got started before he even worked at InfoWars was going out to protest, getting in debates, taking it to the real world and that's what they fear, man. And I'm I'm sort of a hypocrite in this cuz I I don't do a lot of um, you know, in real life stuff mostly because I don't I honestly I don't trust myself like, you know, I'll end up in prison too and not for my speech, right? If I go out to these protests <laughs> and and cuz Owen's got this like rock solid confidence where like people will Will try to front to him or they'll try to like take the mic out of his hand. And he just laughs at him. I see red, man, and I'll, I'll yeah. make mistakes. So I just, I don't even like putting myself in that situation. Uh, so maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical here, but that really is what they fear. They really, they know they can censor you online. They know they can limit your reach online. But man, when you take it to the real world, when you involve yourself in protests, when you get involved politically, that's the thing that they fear. And that's what they want to stop people from doing. And that's why they sent Owen to prison, right? I mean, he, protest at the Capitol. He was there on January 6th. He takes the bullhorn. He shoves it in people's face, uh, not in people's face, but you know he he gets the message out there whether they like it or not. So uh, that's really what they fear. And that's what he's being punished for. And uh, God bless him. I, I hope he just uh, has a safe time in prison. And I hope everybody goes to defendowen.com. That's his, his legal defense fund. And you can donate there. And uh, you know, I just hope he comes out like recharged and I hope he's leveling up. You know, I know we're going to talk about anime later. I hope this is his like Dragon Ball Z, just like charging for to <laughs> to reach a new level of Super Saiyan. Uh, there once it he is. I out. think.
0: I think the same exact way, dude, and that's what I'm praying for, too. Like, have him come out protected and stronger and more powerful than ever. Just like when Alex talks about the Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you strike me down now, you know, I'll become, if you strike me down now, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly ever imagine. It's just like Obi-Wan Kenobi, folks. And, dude, I mean, it's funny to me that, and you mention it, it's like, why do they target owen so badly there's a lot of people out there that you know got bigger names than him bigger platforms whatever you want to say charlie kirk and stuff like that but it's literally like the globalists have like some sort of like dark oracle or like some crystal ball like we must get owen Troya. we must not let him fulfill the prophecy like it's it's really like they have some weird hard-on for owen oh i get I think I, yeah what I, you said it has this galvanizing general type personality that yep. They just can't. Yeah.
1: And it's not just that. It's that same as Alex Jones. He's not the extremist that they want to paint him as. He's not crazy. He's not, you know, coming up with wild conspiracy theories that they go, OK, let him. you know, it's fine if you want to talk about like some of the crazy stuff that isn't true. They don't really care about that. But when you actually aren't a racist, you aren't anti-Semitic, you aren't anti-women, right? When you're actually something that everybody uh, that can appeal to everybody. That's a call to arms to everybody to get involved. That's really what they fear. And that's what uh, Owen embodies. That's what Alex embodies. And they're just, they're real. They don't have to hide it. You know, you see some guys out there uh, where, you know, they 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 want to say things that wouldn't be cool. And you can kind of tell they're having to hold themselves back. That's why Owen can do the the screaming rants, the yelling rants. He, he can let himself get into it. Because he's not having to hide what he really believes. He's not uh, couching it in a way um, that's designed to signal to certain people. He's just the real deal. And that resonates with people. And uh, they can't have that. They cannot have that.
0: Yeah, he's like the quintessential, like, archetype of what a American patriot is, you know. And that's, that's definitely what they cannot have an example of being out there to inspire people because – you know, we talk about it all the time. If you listen to Harrison, if you listen to Connect Those Dots, you you know that there's a, an evil agenda out there for people. And a lot of the media companies are captured. And even the ones that you might think, oh, they're going to they're con- conservative media. I'm going to listen to them. They're going to give me a good perspective. And really, folks, that's the one thing that I can say through my whole dot connecting red pill awakening journey. I've been always able to really rely on Infowars for remaining consistent, remaining objective and looking at all of the lines of inquiry and especially you, Harrison. So we see a lot of these corporations, I'll name them, you know, like the Daily Wire, Epoch Times, places like that. And they seem, they want to tell you the truth. There's a lot of truth to, especially from the Epoch Times. I, I, I wouldn't really consider the Epoch Times in the same bracket as like Daily Wire. But you see Daily Wire and they have sort of a blanket kind of criteria for all of their different personalities. And that's the thing at InfoWars is that everybody, whether it's you, whether it's Alex, whether it's Harrison, whether it's your guest host, you guys have different perspective on things, but you guys always sort of, are on the objective pathway and you never really take sides here. And, you know, for instance, with the whole Middle Eastern conflict, we'll we'll get to that later. But I just want to talk about in this really long question, (laughs) I just want to talk about like, what's the what's the vibe like around InfoWars? It's not your typical news organization, is it, Harrison? Uh,
1: No, I don't think it is. And the the little time that I've spent around uh, some of the other right wing outlets, I'm very proud of Infowars. Info, uh, here's here's the big difference between Infowars and everybody else. We work so much harder than any other organization, and, and that's just the fact of the matter. And we really we really take pride in that. I mean, I, I don't. I honestly don't know how they've done it. I mean, obviously it's Alex Jones. Obviously it's the spirit that that he puts out there. But it's also Rob Dew. It's it's some of the management here they found the best people in the world. And, you know, I don't just say that. It's like, it really is like a family here. Everybody's hanging out with each other after the show, behind the scenes. Like everybody just gets along because there's no room for infighting with us. There's, you know, we're under attack from the outside so much. And everybody here believes in the mission. Nobody's phoning it in. Nobody's just like here for a paycheck. Everybody goes above and beyond. And, you know, credit to, to the people who do the hiring here because they've just found the best people and it's it's hard because we get get a lot of applications from people that uh we would be ill advised to hire and uh we those those people's i mean the pressure that we're under continuously if you're not built for it you're not going to make it and so you know some people might come in and they just they crack under the pressure can't can't take it and they're out and what you're left with is just the cream of the crop really the best of the best and you're right i've been so blessed to just be given a platform to say what I think without any oversight, without it. I never get told not to say something, to say something. The only time that, and I've, I've shared the story a million times. The first day I was here, mm. I heard Alex talking to Owen and he said, say whatever you want, just tell the truth. And that's sort of the, that's the motto that that we go with. I mean, it's not official or anything. It was just an offhanded comment from Alex, but it's stuck <laughs> that is in my head ever since
0: doctrine, then. right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Say whatever you want. Just tell the truth. Just don't lie. Don't make things up don't, uh, and, and don't hate. And the only, the only time Alex has ever, ever sent me a message about what to cover was at the outbreak of the Ukraine war. And the only thing he said was take it seriously. Just don't mm-hmm. be flipping about this. This is war. Don't go flying off the handle going, ah, oh, yeah,
0: they deserve it. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: He didn't even say that. I mean, it, yeah, was, it yeah. was, it was a very short text message be just serious.
0: saying, Hey, yeah. this is in. war.
1: So, you know, don't take this flippantly. And that, and that was basically it. And, uh, with the middle East stuff, I, I've, had a pretty different take than Alex has had, uh, over the course of the Middle East thing. He's never said a word to me about it. Never said I, he should, I should change my coverage one way or the other. And, uh, so I just thank him for, for trusting me with the platform and trusting our audience to know that we're not getting talking points. We're not following a script. And you can see that in the way that we differ, but it's also fascinating how much we align. I mean, often there will be some, I wish I could think of a, specific example because i'm thinking of a specific time but i can't remember what it was about that i had a read on a situation and i thought man i wonder what owen has to say about this i wonder if owen and i are on the same page so i turn on war room and he's like he's got the exact same read i do so we're just we're on the same wavelength we have the same values and and so even without having to collaborate or talk about how are we going to cover this we tend to come to similar conclusions just because we we have all the information at our fingertips, and and we just come from the same uh, launching point, which is just pro humanity, pro freedom, yeah, uh, pro America, and it's just from there everything
0: else sort of sort of falls into line. Amen to that, Harrison, and what you said is so true. Like wavelengths, like whenever a new current thing drops, and the NPCs get all of their you know downloads and stuff. Every single time, you know, I take a step back. I look at the new current thing, whatever it might be. I'm like, all right, let me assess this real quick. All right, let me make, here's my first, you know, sort of blind taste test assessment of their new current thing. That's how I feel right now. I'm going to go check in with InfoWars. I'm going to go see what they're talking about. I'm going to go see. And what you said about wavelengths, what you said about common values, common cultures, common aim, common uh, common goal, it's so true because I tune into you guys and you you guys uh, you guys are thinking the exact same thing that I was thinking. You guys we're on the same wavelength, on the same page. And that it's it's you really got to tune into that, man. And th- that's really why I resonate with you guys so much. And uh, Harrison, a reason that I also resonate with you in particular is because uh, you're a nerd like me, you know. And I listen to uh, your show The American Journal and of course The War Room now because you're filling in for Owen. While he's in jail, go to uh, defendowen. dot com, y'all. As Harrison said, I'll say it one more time, too: DefendOwen.com dot com. If you love our boy Owen Troyer, but uh, y- you play a lot of fun. Quirky uh, anime music, and I'm like, you know what? Harrison's probably a nerd like me, and uh, I've confirmed we are both uh, nerds, red pill dot connectors, and nerds. And Harrison, if you are like me, you probably notice a lot of parallels in a lot of the movies that you watch, a lot of the Netflix shows that you watch. I know we shouldn't be watching it in the world, oh, it's mind control stuff, but you we know if it's aimed at us as mind control, we can see through the mind control and stuff, but for some for whatever reason anime gets overlooked in sort of their esoteric symbolism and real sort of like morals and life lessons and I know uh, like me you watch the anime uh, Death Note it's one of my favorites and it really tells a tale here about what it could be like to um really resonate with that sort of evil spirit right mm. We see a kid go from good to bad and we see him like it and we see him live this double personality and we, we, we see him get this God complex. Right. And when, when I see it, the character light Yagami, this, this scene in particular stands out to me. It's in like the fifth episode and he's sitting with his family. So, you know, he's got the death note, which is this, All-powerful weapon of mass destruction where he can write anybody's name in the death note and kill them And then he's getting this god complex through it and we word is starting to get out about his escapades And he's sitting there with his family and he's able to just play this role of this nice boy
1: All of them died yesterday Does that mean they were all killed by Kira? What? What I'm saying is there's a chance that Kira will actually try to kill anyone who comes after him. His crimes are ruthless and more frightening than anything
0: we've seen. Many detectives have already quit.
1: Dad, you should quit too. I don't want you to die. What if he gets you? That's right. Your life is so much more important than some job.
0: I can't. I could never forgive myself if I walked away from this.
1: I will not sit back and let evil triumph.
0: But, Dad, you... Please, dear. I think it's honorable of you, dad. I'm proud to be able to call you my father. And if anything should ever happen to you, I'm going to find Kira and make sure he gets executed. Meanwhile, he's Kira and he's, uh, and he's doing all this sort of stuff. And that's really him. Yeah, you so know, that's how he's in real life. And it reminds you know- me. Yeah, Harrison, go ahead. No, I just I was having this conversation
1: with uh, Chase. So Chase is uh, the host that's uh, hosting American Journal now, and we were just talking about books. And of course, we both have a lot of books in our office uh, that are all nonfiction, right? Histories and things like that. But I was just having this conversation with him today because I I legitimately feel like I learn more from fiction than I do from nonfiction. I mean, you can get the facts from nonfiction, but things like that honestly inspire me even though it's a cartoon it's a silly cartoon from from japan it's like (laughs) that fires me up when you hear like i even if i die i will pursue justice like yeah that's what i want to emulate i i i love it man
0: i love like his father you know i emulate that but light you know, it's unbelievable how people are able to be this two-faced and able to be this sort of duality and put the mask on. It reminds me of a character that we're very familiar with, Mr. Uh, Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. And here's one of his most recent, of course, here on the uh, InfoWars broadcast with our boy Alex. And- uh Folks, you're not going to see these clips anywhere else really than InfoWars. I try to look them up on DuckDuckGo. I try to find them elsewhere. You, you're you not going to find these clips that I play on Connect Those Dots are almost exclusively pulled from a screen recording from InfoWars. So here's Bill Gates' latest statement and just gaslighting you, just like we saw Light Yagami do to his family.
1: Trees are bad. Here he is. I don't use some of the, uh, less proven, uh, approaches. Such as? Uh, I don't plant trees. Uh.
0: Yeah, I don't plant trees. Yeah, I just make GMO mosquitoes, and I just block out the sun, yeah, and I just fly on my private job. I don't plant trees. A lot, there's a lot of people who are very enamored with trees. We've got trees on this stage. Oh, well, you're enamored with trees, Harrison. You're just, oh, my God, look those horrible carbon life forms, those trees. Some people would even say that if you just planted enough trees, it could take care of the climate issue altogether. And that's complete nonsense. Okay. (laughs) I mean, are we the science people
1: or are we the idiots? Which one do we want to (laughs) be?
0: So awkward. (laughs) (laughs) He always giggles in that weird way whenever he's like, saying something diabolical and gaslighting yeah, it's, it's, you.
1: It's called it's called Duper's Delight, man. That that's the thing. In addition to like, you know, fiction, you can learn a lot from, I watch a lot of like true crime stuff. And it's amazing when you see the parallels between like a murderer and a politician. I mean it's it's the same uh you know uh instances of of Duper's Delight where they're laughing while they're lying or, you know, one of the things I've noticed is it doesn't matter if they're the most brutal murderer you've ever seen, and and they are just heartless to their victims. They're always the victim themselves. They always want to portray themselves as victims. They always complain about the handcuffs are hurting, and you guys have denied me this. They love playing <laughs> the victim, man. But that's the thing, right? That's you a- either you either play the victim or you play the the virtuous hero, like we saw yeah. like like uh, Yagami doing, where you you portray yourself as the paragon of virtue which is the exact opposite of what you are and it's obvious isn't it because evil's not evil can't take advantage of somebody that doesn't trust them you evil always couches itself in good it always pretends to be the virtuous one it's the nature of evil you you don't have evil going around there as a caricature going yes i will destroy i will control they always portray themselves as
0: good and and yeah. So Behind be the scenes, they're going, Yes, I got power. Yes. Right. I'm getting yeah, that's over what's going on, on in people. their mind. Yeah. And that's what's going on. And it's so funny. Like, like, like you said, like the duper's delight, and every single villain that you see, you know, they love to giggle and snicker and gloat when things are going their way. But as soon as the tables turn, it's so funny that they always play the victim. They're like, Oh my God. I, like, every, every villain, crying for help, begging for help. And it's like, dude, you asked for this, man. Like, and, you know, it's so funny as well. It's not funny, but it's just more symbolism of of Death Note. He becomes uh, sort of like this this antichrist figure at the end of the by like toward the end of the, the story. And he really does become the god of the new world as he wants to be. And it's funny that his name is light, you know, light bringer. Mm-hmm. Lucent Lucifer, just another thing that you can friggin' notice with the show. It's it it, it reminds Man. me also of Breaking Bad. Like if you're if you're not like familiar with Death Note, it reminds me of Breaking Bad and how Walter White likes to live that double life. He's this ruthless meth dealing crime. Boss, essentially. But then he's living this alternate life as like, oh, I have cancer, oh, feel bad for me. But then he loves getting over on people and he feels the power when he outsmarts people. So it's just yep. more of that. But psychosis. you know, I think
1: I think Death Note is 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 the better example because even in Light's uh formulation, he what he's doing is good, right? He he does become the villain, but his overall intention at least as, as he portrays it is to end crime is to is to kill criminals is to uh, but it's all tainted by this self service i will become a god and that's that's the poison pill that makes it doesn't matter how well-intentioned your actions are which of course he's killing people so how well-intentioned can he be in the first place but you know to him he's not just killing people for fun he's not trying to be evil but it's the power that he feels when he when he's uh, killing criminals that, you know, it's this self-service, self-serving, uh, egotistical kind of madness that he falls into. So, I mean, that really is a, a great example of it because, yeah, as you, you know, and, and the globalists like to portray themselves as that, too, of going, I don't, you know. We don't want to be this evil. We don't want to be controlling people like this, but it's for yeah. their own good. It's and for it's the almost, greater
0: good. It's you know that yeah. I love that
1: clip. It's it, for
0: the greater good. It's for the greater good. They're all and saying it's almost it. like
1: a, it's almost like a bird. You know, it's like they want to portray it as a burden on them. We we are the ones who are having to do this to yeah. you. We'll take on the burden of controlling you you Know yeah. because we're so virtuous, <laughs> these people are scum, man. But I, I, you know, I, I never really thought that deeply about you like that. You like that? We connect a lot of this, dots yeah. here, Harrison. And I yeah, knew you were yeah, the perfect yeah.
0: person, bro. That's great. I knew you were the. Per- I got another one for you. Have you ever watched Psychopass? I've never watched Psychopass. Psychopass is a dystopian cyberpunk. Uh, anime, noir, sort of neon noir, and it's in a dystopian sort of neo-Japan, of course, yeah, and all firearms are gone, so there's your second amendment, all firearms are gone. The only weapons that exist are these things called uh, dominators, and they're essentially AI guns that can read people's minds and uh, read people's sort of social acumen they call it the psychopaths they call it their psychopaths in the in the show psychopaths and uh, it's all ran by a an ai organism where it's a bunch of the globalists brains that they all have their brains disembodied and fused into the ai cloud that fuels the sybil system that's the name of the ai system that is the judge jury and executioner in the show And uh, yeah, it's all about AI surveillance and uh, also that it's funny, I know you've seen recently that New York robot cop, it looks like Mm R2-D2. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like all goofy yeah. and shit. They have the same thing in Psychopass, and it's like this little teddy bear saying, like, flee the crime scene, flee the crime scene, everything's okay, everything's okay. Liberal, liberal, yay, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it this is this is it, man. Like Psychopath, I really recommend you watch it. It's like it's a detective mind game story, and because the criminal figures out a way to outsmart the AI and all sorts of stuff like that. And then there's a this esoteric sort of philosophy of uh theological kind of stuff going on here so that's psychopaths. And-, well, and
1: and that's and that's the same uh that was the original intention of uh the matrix right the the studio made him change it cuz they thought it was too like complicated for for audiences so it became like humans were being used as batteries uh, in in the matrix but originally that was the idea was that it was an A, they were using uh human brains as like a computational system to you know uh, you know you, as ai basically but you know all the people would just like that. I mean they're all basically brains connected and and using those brains as a uh, computer cuz brains are incredibly powerful computers. So, yeah, Matrix is another one, right, where you you almost can explain more through this fiction that's related to the real world and and actually uh reality you can portray better through fiction than you can through uh just explaining it, you
0: know, uh, in an, in a non-fictional sort of way. And a lot of you know, communist China is already living under a pseudo kind of psychopath type reality already with their full biometric surveillance, their cameras, face facial recognition cameras everywhere. So art really imitates life. Harrison, I got one more anime for you, and uh, this one's probably the most morbid of them all. It's called um, Promised Neverland. Do you know about Promised Neverland? I don't. I don't. The,
1: the problem is, I've I've fallen off watching any TV since I've uh, gotten the job at M4s. I hardly have time, and then having kids and trying to you know minimize <laughs> yeah, see, screen time. I'm still know. I'm
0: still a big friggin' uh, uh, an oaf here, so I'm able to watch these. You know, I'm able to binge watch some of them. I know, You know, I, I they're only a few seasons, so they're not like a million episode things like a Naruto or like One Piece or anything like that. So they're, they're more self contained shows. But I'll tell you about promise neverland it's a a boarding house it's this incredible boarding house filled with all of these orphans you know and they're they live in this boarding house and they have two maids and they're so nice to them you know the, the maids they call the maids mama and everything like that and they got everything they need they got they're all friends on this boarding house Every it's beautiful they got they they run around in the field and everything's they have the the best meals they're they're kept so comfortable you know how Alex keep mm-hmm. them comfortable keep yeah comfortable.
1: so yeah yeah yeah
0: and whenever these orphans are uh taken by a family th- their friends are not allowed to see them get taken by the by the supposed family that's going to adopt them and okay. what happens what actually adopts them is is literal literal demons right literal demons that come and eat the children and to get life extension, to get power, and they keep the children comfortable so that they're nice and healthy and well, it's really morbid folks, and this is an allegory for child trafficking right here uh, promised Neverland. And the, the maids that work there, it's all facade. And the maids were also children in the boarding, in the boarding Mm, house. Interesting. And they were spared by the demons so that they can be more procurers of children in the future. Just like we see sort of like with Epstein kind of, uh, Island and all that type of stuff. And that whole psychology that he would do with his, uh, his victims he would get them to be uh, implicated in his own his own sort of uh, machinations. And dude, that's an allegory right there. And I had Chris Skye on my show and he was talking to me about what he's working with now. It's called uh, "To save a child. That's the organization organization that he's working. Just plugging him for no, you know, just, just to tell you, he's, and he's he, a very he,
1: impressive dude, man.
0: Yeah. He's awesome. I love Chris guy, dude. Uh, it, you should definitely check out that podcast. It was great. And uh, he was talking about, it's not, ju- it's not just having sex with the children, which is depraved and disgusting enough. But once the child is used up, their organs, their blood, their bone marrow, their their tissue, their cartilage. I mean, stems, dude, whatever you can think of that's used on the black market as a commodity. And that anime, uh, Promised Neverland, really, it, it doesn't say explicitly that it's an allegory for child trafficking. But I mean, really, if the shoe fits.
1: Yeah, man, so many, so many things uh, on that, right? First of all, the title, right? Neverland. Uh, invokes something like peter pan right which itself is is an important uh lesson about like uh, you know taking on responsibility not being a child your whole life Uh, even as as comfortable and as pleasant as it may seem your purpose is not to have comfort and pleasure it's to achieve something it's to actually go out and risk things in the world Uh, but then it also reminds me of like the uh, pinocchio like pleasure island right where they Mm. lure the kids in another thing that could be seen as a as a uh, example of or a, oh, a my symbol or metaphor for for human that, trafficking dude, that
0: is the most disturbing thing that pleasure island thing from pinocchio is that you're talking about not just the scene where the guy's like they don't come back as boys after how would you blokes like to make some real money well and who do we have to uh... no no nothing like that you see
1: You know, the Disobedient Ones, what play you give them school. And you see... And I take
0: them to Pleasure Island. Ah, Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island. But the law, suppose they. No, no, there's no risk. They never come back as boys. Not just that part where it's where it's disturbing enough, but when they actually go to the Pleasure Island scene and the boys are being turned into to mules, that's what happens in the Pinocchio. I'm like literally like it's like making me emotional thinking about it, and they're and they're like sitting there. I want my mommy. I want you can still talk. You're not whipped into shape good enough. Oh my god, it's like gut punching, man. Come on, you folks, keep her moving. Finally there now. We haven't got all night. Where'd all the donkeys come from? Come on, come on, let's have another. And
1: what's your name? Okay, you'll do. In you go. You horse will bring a nice (laughs) price. All right, next. And what might your name be? Alexander. Hmm, so you can talk.
0: Y- yes, sir. I want to go home to my mama.
1: Take him back. He can still talk.
0: Please, please, oh, no, I don't you want, you want to be you a Let me out of you. Here. you boys have had your fun. Now pay for it.
1: Yeah. And of course, it's it's honest to John that leads him there. Right. Because uh, he's not going to be deceptive, John, or else nobody's going to follow him. So, you know, they have to portray themselves as that. And then uh, there's this, you know, there's certain things that uh, resonate with humanity for reasons that like. They aren't conscious. It's not a conscious choice that we're making, but you know, vampirism—this idea of consuming youth and consuming life to extend your life—there's something just intrinsic in humanity that recognizes that the desire to live forever is just evil. It just is. And if you look at uh, all of the the really famous, uh, I, I'd say like th- there's a there's a good word for it, like transcendental. Uh, media that we know, where it transcends the medium that it starts and it becomes a a point of collective consciousness, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, these things that they aren't just famous because they're fun and and cool and everybody likes them, but they touch something deep inside that you don't even necessarily recognize, but your subconscious response to it. And those three examples alone, right? Probably the three biggest uh, media properties in history. What do all three have in common? It's a desire to live forever. The ring makes you live forever. It gives you power, of course, but uh, it, it makes you live forever. It makes you live a long time. Uh, Darth Vader was turned to the dark side because he was afraid of death. His mother died, and he wanted to learn how to, uh, you know, live forever. And instead, he becomes a slave. Uh, you know, half, he basically gives up his life. Becomes a machine. And his mm-hmm. wife dies anyway. So you know, it was a lie in the first place. And then uh, Harry Potter, right? Voldemort is literally fringe for runs from death, right? Yeah. So he, and is the whole thing is fracturing his soul to try to live forever. And, and vampires of course would be like the ultimate sort of uh, conti- you know, continuously brought up myth probably throughout all of time, like them and maybe werewolves, but uh, either way, it's, it's, it's about wanting to live forever. It's about consuming youth. It's about rejecting the inevitable, which is just something about it is evil. It's like, and, and. Not only do, you know, Christians, theologians say this, but it is a classic uh, samurai uh, point of wisdom that like the way of the samurai is the resolute acceptance of death. And once you feel as though you've died, once you have accepted that you will die and act as if you've already died, then you're you're free. Mm. And, and, and people think that, and, and then you look at what's going on with the globalists today and they legitimately think they're going to live forever. And that's where the ultimate conspiracy comes in. That's where it's all headed towards is the promise of the serpent in the garden of eden that you will live forever and be as gods they literally think they're going to achieve that they actually think that they're going to live forever either by uploading their brain to some sort of consciousness computer as as we saw yes, in uh, inside in i will Pass.
0: upload my consciousness into the cloud yeah exactly yes, i will become a god but consciousness does not exist for you because you're a hackable animal, but I'm the only one with consciousness and uh, g- Godness does not exist either, but I will become a God when, uh, you know, when, uh, I die and then uh, I copy my consciousness and upload it to a CD-ROM and live forever in the metaverse. Yeah. Right. And, and Isn't so it so weird, the cognitive dissidents, Harrison? Well, and they, they, they think they have achieved
1: this technological power and whether it's uh, age reversal uh you know techniques or like that guy that literally is like takes his son's blood and puts it in oh his dude body. i have
0: the clip you want to watch a clip that i uh that i have of alex jones breaking down actual vampirism
1: yeah yeah because i mean dude, this it, is this is you know this is what we're
0: talking about right this yeah, is the uh you haven't pulled up right away i haven't Hell pulled yeah, up i'm ever ready to go yeah we were queuing it up when we were talking yeah i mean this is legit. Like this is like televised. They, this, this was on VH one. I've played this on a few uh, episodes of connect those dots, but I, 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 this is it. They are literally saying, I want to take your eggs and I want to fertilize them so that I can consume them for life extension. I'm not crazy for me saying this. I'm just showing you what these people are actually doing. This isn't the Dark Crystal, this isn't Count Dracula, this is real. Here
1: he is. The stem cell technology that Peter and I are investing in is called SCNT which takes the egg of a young, perfect woman specimen, takes the egg and takes out the nucleus and puts our DNA in the nucleus. These curvy, sexy, black women from Africa. You girls have a monopoly on this genetic perfection, and we want some of that. So girls,
0: For a hundred dollars to pay you for your egg. I pay you. Look how
1: disgusted these women are. Back it up. Now these are two vampires that trafficking this literally wanting to suck babies dry and pump it into these men's veins. And here they are trying to seduce these women to do. So listen, first it's an egg, 30 seconds
0: later it's their whole baby. Listen to this. So how much do you want for it? Let's bid. No, I bid well, $500. <laughs> uh, Whatever I bid he's gonna has me. I bid me. $16,000 of the eggs. Yeah. That's the, the real ocean. Nosferatu That's right here. Valuable. Umbilical cord, you know, placenta, the the period blood. It's so rich with stem cells. We, we regard it as, as waste. It should be captured, it's recycled, and uh, it shouldn't go to waste. <clears throat> it's life for somebody, you know? It's life for
1: mankind. Notice how sick the women are about to vomit. He's like a drug addict talking about crack. He wants the essence
0: of children. This...
1: Powerful, man. Disturbing. Yeah.
0: Disturbing. Yeah. Powerful. Well, yeah. that's it, dude. I mean, that's that's really what these... And they're open about it. They're like... Yeah, I'll give you 60K for your period blood, girl. Like, oh my God. Yeah, man. And it's, uh, it's a a vampire man and notice how he has like the little igor uh character with him too to like butter them up first like let's see if i can fool these girls for a hundred bucks and we can get out of here like bandits and then he's like you you know they're like the one of the girls like i'll pay you a hundred dollars to not give you my eggs
1: right right dude yeah thank god those those women still have uh the humanity to recognize you know what uh what they're trying to pull on a man and yeah and of course they try to be charming at first and treat it all as a joke Joke, it's it's deeply disturbing, man. And, and this is the uh, philosophy of the elite, man. They really they lust over power, and you have to put yourself in their position and imagine what it's like to grow up as George W. Bush, grow up as the you know children of, of Klaus Schwab and George Soros. These people have more money than you even know, right? I mean, the, the Forbes list is bullshit, right? Like these people have ungodly amounts of money ungodly amounts of power ungodly amounts of physical worldly things what else right because the humans are rarely ever satisfied especially evil ones right so what is beyond the earthly power what is beyond the material power you want power over other people you want control you start lusting after that yes. and you know that's that's where it leads you it leads yep. you down this this path of uh, of horrors really
0: and that's why i always go back to that allegory of light yagami man like it's really like the perfect allegory man and like it's it's this satanic energy it's this i'm I, i'm going to be the one like i'm going to replace whatever god these people think that they worship and i'm going to be the one baby and um harrison this leads me into uh my next sort of the next waters that I want to sort of dive into right now. And that's uh the current events that we're all dealing with. Uh, Everybody's favorite topic, the war in the Middle East. And I really got to commend you, dude, because your analysis has probably been the best out there. I, I, I'll say you've probably been getting uh, some heat for it because there's some people out there that might not really have your 30,000 foot view perspective on it, you know, 30,000 foot view, but you know, it, you really are giving it a very objective view, and it's not like these places, you know. Like, I, I see people like Jordan Peterson, he goes out there and oh, I'm, I'm a Christian now, I cry in every podcast that I do. And but bomb the hell out of them, Nitin. You who give them hell, yeah, give them hell,
1: yeah, give them hell. And then you see the image of just these blood covered babies and shattered buildings around. It's like, look, it's hell, look, yeah. you gave them hell, it, it's just hell on earth,
0: you did it. Congratulations. Congratulations, Peterson! Uh, Just it's, make it's sure you clean man. your damn room first. But you know what, Jordan Peterson? It's like nobody's gonna have a room to clean when everything's bombed to ashes. You know, no, and then you got Ben Shapiro, it's and it's like the, the the Hamas they they took a pregnant woman, a pregnant Israeli woman, and then they cut the baby out of her, and then they used the umbilical cord as as a jump rope. They were playing double dutch with the baby's umbilical cord. It was terrible. And if you don't think that happened, then you're an anti semite.
1: And then it comes out that it didn't happen and it doesn't matter that it didn't happen. Uh, the, the point is that... no dude, it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, that stuff. It's, uh, you know, g- good on them for taking the mask off, right? At least we got to see who they really are. And I think a lot of people are, are waking up from that because yeah, it's, it's horrifying. And, uh, you know, I just, I thank God that, uh, I had the influences in my life that have made me aware of the situation long before, uh, October 7th. And in particular, um, you, you know my friend John I, I give credit to him all the time we've done a few videos together a phone call that that he made to American Journal went totally viral got uh, hundreds of thousands of views um, I saw that
0: one that was a great one
1: yeah so that's my friend John I mean we were friends in middle school we both saw the the towers come down in sixth grade right we we're we we're in the same class together watching on the news and so from that point on like all through sixth seventh eighth grade he's from he's from Lebanon his family's from Lebanon you know they they were just giving me the news from there and so i I was sort of tuned into what was going on in the Middle East early early on, and also realizing how fake everything was because we'd be sitting there in homeroom and they'd it's be time, time to ad- they'd be playing whatever the latest uh, dispatch from Osama bin Laden in his cave. My friend John'd be sitting there going. These subtitles are wrong, man. You know, I speak Arabic and, and that's not what he's saying, what the subtitles say. And see how he's wearing a gold watch. You're not allowed to wear a gold watch in Islam. So that guy's not a Muslim. Whoever this guy is, that's not Osama bin Laden. So, you know, in sixth or seventh grade, wow. realizing that your your uh, government was lying to you like that it really allowed me to uh, see things from a unique perspective. So I thank God for uh, for John and, and, you know, the influence he's had on me. And he's still like a very big source for me. Just going to him and just going, all right, what is the strategic overview h- here? Because if you don't spend all of your time looking at news from the Middle East, you're going to get a very warped perspective. It doesn't matter what American sources you get. If your sources aren't there on the ground in the Middle East, they're going to be uh, warped. And I mean the whole the – I'm so baffled by the Christian devotion to yes. uh, Israel, which is a modern state. And people act like this is like an intrinsic Christian Um, moral imperative and it's like israel as a state didn't exist until 48 so it's not like this is a long dude it's real weird We're, we're
0: sort of just taught that like israel is just there and like you know we don't know we're never taught any history about israel and it's so it's it's funny i mean dot connectors already know and listeners of harrison smith already know where we stand on this we're america first we don't want to get involved in foreign affairs. It's funny how everybody's like, this is what this is just what we do. We get involved in foreign affairs. Um it's actually written in our constitution that we're not supposed to get in foreign affairs, but we've already broke that rule a million times over. So, who cares you, about
1: that? And you know what? If we're going to get involved in foreign affairs, it should be on our own impetus. It should be to benefit us or to benefit the world and bring about peace, but it's this slavish unquestioning devotion that our politicians show that preachers show i mean i'll tell you
0: i'll tell you dude i'm not gonna name names or where this happened but preacher goes up there in front of a crowd of probably like you know thousands of people and i'm there in this crowd you know i was like a participant at this event and all i hear is israel if you don't stand with Israel, then you don't stand with God. Like, like, dude, dogmatic, cultish, and I'm like, and the vibe was weird. Everybody was like, huh, "Dude, I don't know if I like totally agree with that." He's like, "Let me hear you say it after me." I stand, I stand with right. Israel. With Israel, I can't hear you say it. Like, I, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, it was yeah. like weird. It creeped me out. It um, is weird, man. It is, and and is and it, nice. just as you said, and I covered this with Chris Guy as well. It's it, the word Israel in the Bible means one seeking God, right? And you were talking with uh, Nick Fuentes. He was an incredible guest on your show, by the way. And I thought the analysis that you guys did was so great. Uh, it means the remnant of Christ, the remnant of uh, ones searching God. You know, that's what Israel really is, sort of interpreted as in the Bible, but people they just want to they want to interpret it their own way and have this sort of geopolitical battle over it and people get destroyed you know i think it's i think it's i think it's a place's right to exist and we're going to get into that more in a second but i just want people to understand uh harrison's coverage on this folks has been uh just very good very compelling and uh he's not taking one side or another he's just showing you the facts here in this reel right here he really uh Encapsulated. Let me just play this real, Harrison.
1: If you want to imagine a 15 minute city, just look at Gaza. Gaza is the first, it's the prototype of the 15 minute city. It has AI machine guns mounted above the gates, constant surveillance, the controlled existence, the lack of rights, the lack of prosperity, obviously, the inability to even get sufficient food or water.
0: And delic, a kol Water is something that people understand.
1: you describe the worst case scenario of prison planet, you're just describing Palestine. They say they want globalism to eliminate war, because without nations, you won't have war. This is what awaits us. You won't have wars between two armies from two nations. You'll have endless, continuous war on anybody who resists, on anybody who refuses to give in, on anybody who does not willingly submit themselves to the globalist masters. You can't see how what awaits us is already being rolled out in Gaza and Palestine. I guess you'll just have to wait till it's here. If you want to imagine...
0: That was tremendous. I mean, big ups to the crew. I don't know who edited that reel, but wow, big ups.
1: I I think I think I may have edited uh, that myself. Usually, usually it's uh, it's Reese and he he does. That's a a great one, and I I
0: like I like how you spliced in all like those WEF clips. And well, that's the thing, right? It was
1: like two weeks ago. The WEF is out there going well, we got to control the water because people understand water. And of course, the first thing they do when uh, Gaza starts acting up is they they cut the water off. I mean, it.
0: Oh, how it loving, so... how liberal. Oh, so right. nice. I'm going to liberally cut your water off. Mm,
1: it's war, isn't it? And, it's, you know, it's the classic it's the classic uh, libertarian thing where like, the, you know, whoever you depend on controls you. I mean, it's it's pretty damn simple not not that gaza chose to to depend on israel but if they have control over a resource that they can cut off and that's the i mean that's the next step and you know that's why they're they're engineering famines that's why they're engineering scarcity on purpose and i always say you know you think that uh you know i got sick because you aren't vaccinated was bad just wait till i'm starving because you have food i mean yeah. they're not going to let wow. you uh be self-sufficient it's all about mm-hmm. destroying self-sufficiency it's all about just. Dest- it's all about control and whatever access of of attack that they can take to gain control over you, that's the one that they'll take. And I just, you know, I really, it, it really is, is strange to me. I mean, it's sad in a way, but more just baffling how people can't empathize with Gaza and with yeah. the Palestinians. I can empathize with Israel. I can empathize with, with exactly people coming under a terrorist attack. I got no we're problem.
0: humans and on a human level. We're all humans. You know what's so funny? I don't I don't mean to cut you off, but I don't want to forget about this thought. It's like when Ben Shapiro is like the Palestinians, they they elected Hamas to be their the, to be their government. That's like saying the deli owner elected the Gambino crime family to be their uh security for their deli. Yep. You know what I mean? I, it, it's, no, it's a ridiculous premise. They they should totally elect Hamas out of Gaza. It's like, dude, they can't. Tell that to the Gambino crime family. It's called extortion. It's just yep. such a, how can you have such low dimensional thinking?
1: Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, half the people in Gaza are under 18. Uh, They haven't I don't think they've had an election in 17 years or so. So you would have had you have to be 35 now to have even participated in an election. You didn't necessarily vote for Hamas. And at least half the people in Gaza right now never even had a chance to vote. So it, and I mean, it's just it's such a ridiculous thing to say. It's it's so absurd. And you know, even the, you know, I don't, I don't, obviously I, I completely condemn the attack that Hamas made. And I think it's obviously a gigantic mistake. Even look, how back dare now.
0: you, Harrison? How dare you condemn an attack? Well, no, I can, no, I can not Well, you're, I, such,
1: I a I'm, you? I'm you're such a Zionist. How dare you? You're such a Zionist, man. But on the other <laughs> hand, like, dude, put yourself in their position. Is it really that difficult? I mean, these people, uh, you know, not all of them, but like, what if your whole family was killed? What if your child was killed by Israel? Would you not be yeah. you know, on a murderous rampage for these that's people? That's the Can way you I like it, in
0: dude. It's like, what if China came in here and started, uh, and like, that's all you knew. Like, you grow up, you're born into a world where China's colonizing America. And then, oh, those, those damn Americans hate the Chinese. Well, I wonder why. Yeah, and, y- you know... I think they picked the
1: worst people in the world to do this too, because I don't, I don't know if America's, I don't know if Americans would would have a resistance seventy five years after you know they get uh, put in a, in an open air uh, prison camp for all intents and purposes, or, yeah, or you know driven out and colonized. But, the, but man, the Palestinians have uh, a resilience that you have to admire, even if you don't like it. You have to respect the fact that they have kept up this resistance and have refused to fold to this because yeah. it is unjust. It is wrong uh, what's been done to them and you just all you have to do is uh, listen to them and and treat them like humans which is why they dehumanize them which is why they call them animals which is why they claim they're all terrorists and it just doesn't stand up to the most basic scrutiny man i had somebody call yesterday and say why are you defending hamas if if you were there they would but they would behead you in a second they would <laughs> want to kill call. you too yeah, and and my it was like, well, even the Christian ones, even the ones in the church that just got exactly. bombed, even the ones well, in the Baptist we, hospital, and the caller didn't, you know, there's well, I mean, maybe. Well, you know it's what, like,
0: Harrison? It's it's funny you say this. And I don't I don't make a big stink about this on Connect Those Dots, but I'm Lebanese and my grandfather, um my my father's father is Palestinian. So I am a quarter Palestinian and I'm a first-generation Amer- I'm a first-generation American. Like my my Grandfather came here in the 50s from Palestine and all his brothers and sisters went to Canada and he was like no I want to come to America because I want to have the American dream and he got out of there like just before stuff was about to pop off and I don't make a big stink about it and I don't and I'm not sitting here like saying like oh Palestinian pride they're killing my people you know I, I'm still objective enough and I understand being middle of the road and having the 30,000 foot view, as Alex says, not to get emotional. You know, a lot of my family gets emotional about this type of stuff, but I've been able to stay level headed about it. And um, it brings me to what I want to talk to you about right now in this sort of final thing that we discuss. And it's a pretty strange philosophical uh, quandary that I was talking about with my wife today and uh, it's about the right to conquest do you under, do you know what that means mm-hmm. you, i'm sure you're sure, familiar sure. with that yeah. right to conquest so wh- where does the and america was founded because of conquest you know right we wouldn't be living my grandfather wouldn't be able to escape palestine and come to a prosperous land if it wasn't for conquest so where and what about israel What about their right to conquest, right? So where, but where does that right get overwritten by the the people who are being conquered, Mm. their right to survive? So there's this immovable force and the unmovable, uh, the, the unstoppable force and the immovable object. It's this right to conquest and this right to survive. So... Where do you think the, the right to conquest ends and the right to survive overwrites it? You know what I'm trying to say, Harrison?
1: Yeah, I do. I do get what you're what you're trying to say. And, and I mean, you sort of took the words out of my mouth because, you know, the right to conquest uh, exists to a certain degree. But the right to resist has to be there as well. And, you know, it's it is complicated. And uh, I guess it's a I guess it's a. um self-regulating sort of thing where you have just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean it is right to do that thing and and i yeah it, it it is it is really complicated and i guess you have to just justify it by your own um cultural imperatives and like i think that the, the conquest of America looks very different than the conquest of, say, Palestine. And then you have the influence of outside forces. I mean, Israel is is very different. And even so, going back, I would oppose a lot of the manipulation and deception that took place as a part of the conquest of America. I think that and, and maybe not, maybe I would be, you know, swayed by the culture that existed. And this is me in the future being able to look back and, and I'm not casting aspersions or, or judging the people that that went through it. But, you know, you, you read back about some of the things that Americans did, you know, writing treaties with the intent of breaking it just to, you know, lull the the uh, Indians into a false sense of security. And I think that's evil. I think that's wrong. And I, I deplore what happened to the Native American population. I wish they were around. I wish they were still uh, a. a forced to be reckoned with rather than what they've become, which is like a a totally sidelined by American culture. That that doesn't make me any less American, I don't think. Um, It just, I deplore the way that it was carried out and it was carried out through deception. And the way that Israel um, conquered a lot of land was through deception and through manipulation of powerful imperial forces where it's just an unfair playing field. And I guess that's life. I mean, life isn't fair and you got to deal with it how you can. But I think you you lose legitimacy when you use terrorism to achieve it, or when you lose. And which is why I think it was uh, ill advised of Hamas to do what they did. But it's also you know terrorism is a key part of the founding of Israel as well. I mean, from before Israel was even a state, back in 1913, 1914, you had uh, terror campaigns against the Arabs that were there, and a lot of time those campaigns were given cover by imperial forces like the British or even the Ottomans before the British took control of it. So you know when when you go back through the history you see a lot of just uh manipulation i mean a lot of the the original founders of israel were welcomed in palestine as refugees from the pogroms of eastern europe and i think if if your form of of conquering another group is to go as a refugee or go as a um as, as a asylum seeker when really your intent the whole time is to take them over that's and again i you know it's it's life so it's not fair yeah you know and and it it would it, it would um but then you look at like what what is the effect so in America, we are being conquered, right? We're being colonized as we speak yeah, by so with people. Yes, our open who...
0: border, and they're letting everybody in, and they're saying we're going to replace you. It's on the UN website, replacement migration, and this whole and displacement of the Gazans is only going to exacerbate literally it.
1: Building call American, the American government is building colonies for them. Like yeah. uh, the story today was a uh, tent cities in Central Park, yeah, dude. It's like I just watched overflown. the
0: movie Dread. You, you, you know, Dread, and they mm-hmm. got the mega buildings. Like, dude, that's like the 15 minute city. You know, that like, yeah. that's their. Weapon dream i know they talk about it in saudi arabia they're they're building the line so Mm -hmm. it's it's about homogenizing the entire human population not not in a nice star trek united nations you know uh nick fuentes said you know a star wars cantina vibe like (laughs) everybody's having fun and all happy and all diverse different types of species you know it's just they want to form it into this amorphous blob without an identity where you're just this 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 bug person eating the bugs and right. living in your pod. And it really, like, that's their wet dream, man. And, right. this, well, and all these and, crises, crisis upon crisis, crisis, more crisis. We will create a the new crisis. world order because it's great reset.
1: Yeah. So, and and so to me, the reason behind that is because, again, these people, the globalists want to set up a, a one world government that is permanent and uncontested. And so, What you know? What type of people can contest your power? It's people. So, is it
0: their right to conquest, though, Harrison? So, and that's my whole thing. You can look at it at on a micro or macro level. So, you own your property. You have your own house. If some vagrant wants to come into your house and say, "I want to conquer this house," if if they if you don't have the firepower, if they in the right of conquest, whoever has the the stronger military uh prowess is the able is able to have the right of conquest so see and, and where that's, does the, that's that
1: the thing. end so you're talking about a devolution right you're talking about stepping backwards into barbarism where yeah. the, the that's uh, barbarism strength rules and that's that's why i bring up the asylum thing and the in the refugee thing because i like that america can be a safe haven for people that are um under threat from their government that uh don't you know don't deserve the treatment that they're getting they can come but here using we, that as a trojan
0: horse them. is and,
1: evil yeah and why, and why is that bad? Because, you know, if I was president, if I was if I was king of uh, America, I'd say no more asylum, not we have to be careful about who gets us. I'd say you're abusing the privilege. It yes. doesn't exist. Anymore. This is why we can't have nice things. So it's a it's a short sighted um, form where you can get what you want right now. But what you lose in doing that is so much greater and so much more valuable than the thing that you're gaining. So. We, you know, we can't have asylum anymore because it gets taken advantage of because it gets used as a legal loophole to allow yeah. people that shouldn't be here to claim asylum, even though they don't deserve it, and get here. So then we have, so we have to get rid of asylum. So what does that mean? Now we can't be a safe haven. Now people that actually need asylum and are refugees aren't going to have a place to go. Not because we don't want to give it to them, but because when we tried to be nice, they took people took advantage, and now we can't do this anymore. So it's a short sighted uh, form of of. Just taking advantage of a of a weakness, you know. I always say liberty is an unguarded cookie jar, right? Because you're not actually a good person, you're not actually a virtuous person, and you're not actually free if the cookie jar is locked and surveilled all the time. Because you're not making the choice, you're being forced to do something, and, and you're deprived of your humanity, and you're deprived of a chance to uh, display your morality. And so you're not actually moral. You're not actually virtuous in the same way that, you know, me taking your money at the point of a gun and giving it to somebody, I'm not being virtuous. You're not being, the virtue is gone. Mm. It's not charity, right? You're not giving, giving something out. So, you know, liberty in the, in the true sense is to have vulnerabilities and not take advantage of them, to have a society where you can leave your door unlocked, not because you're stupid, but because the people around you are virtuous enough to not, go take advantage of that weakness that you show. And, you know, I don't want to live in a world where all the doors have to be, you know, South Africa, where every house has a barbed wire fence around it and cameras and guns everywhere, because, you know, it's if you let your guard down for a minute, the savages will come in and and tear you apart. That's not liberty. That's that's uh, imprisonment. And so we have to have a virtuous society. We have to have a virtuous world society. And I think uh, what what Israel is doing in particular is not virtuous by any means and I would argue that if you want to compare it to the American experience the American experience was far more virtuous even though it had its bad times even though you know there were times where where uh, people were deceived and and uh, taken advantage of and and there was that that right of conquest uh, taken to its farthest extreme you still had uh, a lot of a lot of virtue there and you had the creation of a society where people were uh, able to be trusted. I mean, I, I'm reading a, a book right now um, just called The Oregon Trail. It's just about it's just a, a journal of this guy that was on the, the Oregon Trail. And I mean, before America and, and really civilization came to America. Nobody was safe. Nobody could just go out by themselves. You would be murdered by people like and, and it's a constant like thought in these people's heads when they were going into the West when it was, you know, before it became America, when they were when they were manifesting their destiny, if if you will. It was like, if you're not stronger than the other side, you are going to be killed and there's no sense of safety. And we can revert to that. I mean, we can go back to, to being uh, barbarous. Yeah, but. I want to advance humanity. I want humanity to advance beyond uh, pa- uh you know um power by strength or you know uh whoever's strongest gets to decide what the deal is. We 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 have moved beyond that and it feels like yeah. in a lot of ways we're regressing back to that yes. and uh That's you know I always say there, there's Man. a difference there's a difference between like um like uh uh like basically what we're dealing with now is like very there's a difference between civilization and well-organized barbarism. And what we're what we're devolving into now is very sophisticated, very well-organized, very futuristic barbarism. It's not yes. civilization. And that's the other just to I'm sorry to, to ramble here but ramble uh, you know, please talking about the the meaning of liberty, you know, liberty came from uh the, the ancient Romans, you know, came up with this concept of liberty and it really meant protection by the state. And, you know, when you became a citizen of Rome, that meant you were the you were under the protection of the Roman state. And, you know, there's things like uh, in the Middle Ages, when everybody was a subject of a king, you could have the liberty or the freedom of the city of London, which meant you weren't under uh, the control of a liege lord. You weren't under you weren't the subject of a nobleman. You had the protection of the Charter of London. In other words, the Constitution. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I don't like the the dichotomy that's out there now where it's like people think freedom is just like out there living in the woods well if, if i'm living in the woods am i really free mm. i'm not uh, you know am i free to be eaten by a bear am i free to starve <laughs> to death i'm free to like constantly be scrounging for for food and be trying to protect myself from the elements i'm not really free freedom comes from a civilization that empowers freedom it's a it's kind of you know i'm using the word to define the word but liberty uh, sort of requires a a beneficent uh, civilization that can give you comfort, uh, but also protect you from the influence of outside forces. So, you know, I don't see what what's happening in the in the Middle East as some uh, enlightened, uh, futuristic like something I want humanity to reach for. I see it as a regression back to barbarism, in a lot of ways, regression back down from the advancement that Christianity represents. And I, I'm sure if you watch my show, you've heard me say this before that. You know, an eye for an eye is an advancement from barbarism, right? Because and people think eye for an eye means retribution. It means like you get them the way they got you. But no, no, eye for an eye was a limiting thing. It was saying make the punishment fit the crime, because before that, if you took my eye, I'm going to kill your ass. You you take my eye. I'm going to kill your whole family. I'm going to suffocate you. You you know, you took my eye, you motherfucker. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, so eye for an eye is a step up going, hey, just take their eye. And then the next level of advancement, the next level of, of human. And attainment. it keeps
0: people honest because nobody wants to lose their eyes. <laughs> right, you know? right,
1: right. There is that. Um, but then the next level of, attain- of attainment, the next level of advancement is Jesus Christ. Turn the other cheek. Treat others as you would like to be treated. And uh, that's what's missing in that whole Middle Eastern conflict. And I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but somebody uh, I was talking to said, man, it sounds like one side just needs to forgive the other it's like damn that's what would solve this immediately is forgiveness is love, love. is understanding and as uh, as cliche as it sounds uh look at look at where you know retribution revenge and vengeance has gotten us
0: it's scary to contemplate you know because on, on the on the one hand yeah you you want that peace to be achieved you know but and and it sounds like you're saying that um the the right to conquest is is basically bullshit if if the if the conquerors are, you know, ill-willed. But in I can see I can see what you're saying and and that's that's a I like the way you summed it up, you know. But what we're looking at with these conquerors and what we're looking at with the potential of peace in the Middle East through all these crises, right? We know where this is going, Harrison. We know who the real barbarians are. We know who the real modern-day Attila the Hun is, and it's the people with their 666 logo and their WEF and their Geneva CERN devil worship. Okay, we know who they are. We know that they want surveillance under your skin. We know they want to chip you from your from when you're born, from when you're born, and they want to use these crises to bring in this new world order, Aeon, right? harrison so it's very morbid because we want to see peace but as we know in the bible when this peace comes it's going to come with the real price so harrison are are we like really just heading headlong into biblical prophecy of the mark of the beast and is we're going to see the antichrist rise in our lifetime harrison
1: Mm, that's a good question. I I think it's uh it's a choice that we make and I think it's in a lot of ways a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think there's a disturbing number of people that want to bring about that uh, inevitability. Um and I think that is the the most wrong way to think about it, man. I mean, I, it's like people think that Jesus needs help coming back. It's like they think that God needs help fulfilling his prophecies. That's not the way prophecy is supposed to work, man. You're you're not supposed to try to bring it about. It's it's going to happen whether you like it or not. So you're supposed to just live your life um, uh, on, on a human level and not try to, f- not try to do the work of God. God's work is going to get done anyway. Uh, the work of God that you should be doing is in your own personal life. And, and by, you know, embodying the truth and love that, that Jesus brought us. And it's disturbing the number of Christians that think that we need to like start a nuclear war to, to bring Jesus Christ about. I am, uh, I'm less, I'm, I'm less concerned about that today than I was two weeks ago, because, it seems like America and Israel have sort of done the calculus and realized that they can't do the things that they want to do. They're, they're just outgunned. It's just not going to happen. And, uh, when does I, I that worry... ever
0: stop them though?
1: Well, you know, at the end of the day, as much as they pull the strings and control the world, they have to contend with humanity. They have to contend with reality. They can't just ignore the will of, of other human beings around them. And, um, and if they don't want to die, you know they can't just attack the people with hundred thousand missiles pointed at their house, which would be, you know, the the Iranian militias that haven't yet entered the fray. So they have to take that into account. And uh, you know, America can't just start the draft and send people to war and expect all of Americans to go along with it. We know too much now. We're, we, uh, you know, I personally, if I got a draft card, and and what that would mean to me would be the American government saying to me, "You're going to war," and I'd say. Against who? Right. You know, I'm not going to war for you. You're the one that started this war. You're the one that sold me out to China. You want me to go fight China now? You're the one that started that uh, let Israel, you know, carry out this this massacre that's That's, spiraling out of control. That's
0: exactly what what they want, though. You know, that's they when Klaus says we the, the angrier world is coming. The strife is coming, you know. It will. They will make the COVID crisis seem like small potatoes in comparison Mm. to societal collapse. You know, it's it's really. And I don't. I don't want to be blackpilled. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not coming at this from a blackpilled perspective. I'm coming at this from a more like of a prophetic kind of. And I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm just. I want to sort of read the tea leaves and see where this is going. You know, that's the whole thing. Is like, how do you listen to Alex Jones? He's such a fear mind He just wants to get you afraid. Everything he says is so scary. It's like I always hearken it back to if you're a deer in the woods, wouldn't you want to know that there's bloodthirsty wolves coming to rip you limb from limb? Or do you just want the wolves to rip you limb from limb? So right. that's, that's what I, that's the, what I liken it to. And that's what I liken these discussions to. But I also agree with what you're saying. It doesn't have to be this self-fulfilling prophecy. It does, we, we're, we're told to resist with everything that we possibly can. You know, we're, right. we're told to, to be the light in the darkness through all this stuff. And th- that's what we're trying our damnedest to be right now and trying our best to do against all this darkness. But when you see these globalists, when you see Harari, when you see Schwab, when you see all these transhumanist guys, and they say the future isn't human, and you know we're we're the, the, we're going to create a new silicon being, and it's going to be the the new dominant species, it's this weird Dr. Frankenstein God complex, just on a, on an unbelievable scale. It's it's crazier than any fiction you could ever watch. Um, it just it just seems like the, if, if it's not prophesized to happen exactly as it's written in Revelation, these dudes are certainly trying their best to make it manifest.
1: Yeah. And that's and that's the amazing thing about uh, the book of Revelation is like it describes these things that are impossible to understand until recently, until we have the technology to actually bring it about. I mean, how you know, how do you describe, you know, the the mark of the beast without understanding microchips under your okay. skin? And yet somehow 2000 or 1000 years ago uh you know John the revelator was able to uh yeah, announce this sort of stuff uh, when there's no way logically he had the ability to see uh, what was seen without some sort of divine revelation so you know there's clearly a spiritual aspect to this there's clearly truth in the uh in the books of the bible that you can't ignore that you can't um but at the same time dude you read history and like people in the 1600s were convinced it was the end times people in the 1700s were convinced it was the time of the mark of the beast people in the, i'm sure in the 500s were convinced that it was the fulfillment of prophecy so i'm not so conceited to think that because i'm alive now it means it's the fulfillment of prophecy people have thought that for hundreds of years even in the mm. 70s people were you know standing on mountaintops waiting for the asteroid to hit and it, it never came so there's no reason why now is the time i was even i i haven't i'm going to to do it tomorrow because I've had this video clip the last two days. I just haven't played it yet. But back in 2003, it's this uh, guy talking about George W. Bush was talking to the French and trying to get them into the war in Iraq, and he was invoking Gog and Magog. And it's funny because the guy who's telling this story is talking about the French people going, "What is he talking about? The Gog and Magog? We've never heard of these." And they had to go get a a Swiss Bible expert to explain to them what the hell George W. Bush was talking about. Uh, but you know, so it was as recently as 20 years ago. George W. Bush thought he was fulfilling the prophecy of uh, the mark of the beer. You know, thought he was fulfilling the prophecy of, of Revelation. So, hmm. you, you know, it didn't it didn't come true, did it? We hmm. didn't go to the apocalypse. It, it didn't fulfill. So, why should this time be any different? As much as it seems like that, you, you have to you know step back and understand that you're not the first person, by a long shot, to think that this is the end times. And uh, it's it's much better to sort of humble yourself and go. This is another tribulation that that humanity's going through. And you know, I believe I'm not a theologian. I I don't pretend to be. But when you hear, you know, no one will know the the time of the hour that that the yeah. end will come. I don't think that's because it's a mystery that no one can solve. I think it's because it's not set in stone in a, in a human sense yet and it's entirely determined by the choices that we make and our will we have free will and as collective humans humanity has a free will and we can choose whether to succumb to the evil or we can choose to overcome it and get a little respite and take and and delay that apocalypse a little bit farther it'll it'll catch up eventually eventually we'll get there eventually ama- humanity will fail but it doesn't have to be now, and it's an entirely a, a choice that we make, and it's important that we're aware of it so that we can avoid it, not manifest it. We need to be doing everything we can to avoid the apocalypse, not try to bring it about like so many of these people, and troublingly, people in power are actually trying to bring it about, um, but they failed in 2003, and the, I, I, I hope and I pray that they'll uh, fail to bring about, uh, bring it about again, and at least we can delay it another 20 years, if, uh, if not longer
0: wow uh folks that's the type of expert analysis that harrison smith gives and i mean we can all be harrison smith folks we we can all i don't know if we can all be as smart and as eloquent and as well spoken as harrison smith but really all you need to do is get activated and i talk about it with maria z and i talk about it with jay die i talked about it with all my guests here and it, it I'm a prime example, but Harrison Smith is really, like, the golden example of what you can be, like, if you just get activated. Because we all have the power to get activated, man, and that's what it's gonna really take to do exactly what Harrison just said, and prolong these end times prophecies as, as close as we might think they may be. It's up to us to prolong them as much as possible, and that's exactly what Harrison Smith is doing. You can watch him every single day at madmaxworld.tv he hosts the war room at 4 p.m eastern time that's the time i'm on that's the time i watch him on the war room as he's filling in for owen Troyer. and when owen Troyer comes back he will be a super saiyan super duper saiyan as we said harrison any last words my brother no man thank you so much for, for
1: having me on man i'm i'm, I'm humbled by uh, everything that you say and i'm just um literally dude i i i've like I walked back in my house yesterday, and I just yeah, I, every once in a while I just have to stop and go. I have a show on Info. I host a show on
0: InfoWars.
1: <laughs> I mean, I've, I've followed Alex Jones since middle school, so I'm as baffled by my success in this realm as, as anybody else. It was never my intention. Yeah, uh, you know, I never I never set out to to host a show at InfoWars. I got hired as a as an editor, and it's just about um, you know doing doing what you're what you're called to do at the time that you're called to do it and just stepping up to the plate and you can achieve things that you never thought you'd be able to achieve and you can get places you never thought you'd be able to get you just trust in God and and go with the flow and don't stick too um, severely to any one plan, because uh, you know God has a way of, of of changing your plans. And as long as you don't stick <laughs> in the mud and go, "That wasn't for my sure. plan," so I'm not going to do for it. For Sure, it's, it's not your plan; it's God's, man. So you gotta you gotta uh, go with the you gotta go with the current, not uh, not try to fight it all the time. So, you know, thank you so much, man. I'm, I really am, am humbled, and I thank you for for bringing me on. And hopefully, people got some value out of this because uh, it's, it's fun to talk about this this more deep stuff. I spend so much time on just the surface headline. I like sort of uh touching on on the the real deep uh level aspects of all this so thank you man for having me on and uh let's keep connecting them dots man (laughs) god bless you harrison man we'll keep in touch bro thank you sir Peace.